0: With us right now, it's Sharon Torek. Sharon, you are the principal and owner at Legal & Creative and Torek Law. Your website is legalandcreative.com. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us.
1: That's me. Thanks for having me, Josh. I'm excited to have the conversation.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen, I always love having smart people on this podcast. In fact, I only have smart people on this podcast. But Sharon, you know, a few things about, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the marketing, advertising, communications industry, and the the kind of the legal things that we ought to be mindful of. Can you give us an overview of your, of your, uh, of both your practice and, and your expertise?
1: Sure. Toric Law is a firm that serves independent marketing communications, digital, um, and advertising agencies across the U.S., and we help them in three basic areas. One area is intellectual property um, protection, um, registration, and all the IP issues that emerge in marketing day to day. Secondly, um, the business transactions that most businesses um, in the creative industry um, engage in that require doc good solid documentation and a nice strong legal toolkit to protect themselves um, and store up their intellectual property. And then third, we help them be compliant with um, the ever evolving regulatory landscape in marketing. So things like data privacy regulations, influencer marketing requirements by the FTC. Wow. So we're kind of I'm an IP lawyer by training and that's sort of how I made my way eventually into the marketing and then into the agency focused um, world, but we are sort of uh, three, we have a three prong approach the way we serve independent agencies today.
0: I am so excited that you are here. And I'm so grateful that we crossed paths because I have many questions. (laughs) The first question is, what are some of the um, rules or laws that you see not being either, I'll ask it, either not being taken seriously enough, or you see clear violations or like, "Mm, yep, shouldn't be doing that, like in your, you know, in your day to day?
1: I think that um, one is a more of a business focused issue. And one I would say is more of a pure IP focused issue. Mm. One, the first is that I think a marketing agencies or any content based business, it could be a consulting firm. It could be a coaching firm. I'll use marketing agencies as an example, since that's my day-to-day at the firm that I own and operate. Um, They don't take seriously the protection of their intellectual property in their ideas, their concepts, their strategies, when they're having the business development conversation with a potential new client. And so frequently agencies will end up at the, having the short end of the stick because they haven't protected the conversations they're about to have with a potential new client. And they end up giving them a lot of uh, great ideas, information, and they don't necessarily end up closing the deal and yet they've still sort of um, put all of their best on the table. And so that's a common issue that we see that I think most marketing agencies in the heat of wanting to do new business and mm. to be helpful and wanting to look smart and strategic, which they are, um, they aren't as sort of always buttoned up. Uh, and they also don't want to look difficult to do business with. So, you know, asking for a non-disclosure agreement. Um, or something like that can be a little tricky um, when you're dating, right? You're not married. So that's sort of the business-focused issue that I see frequently that has legal implications for um, marketing agencies or clients. The second is the proper use of any third-party created um, assets, Um, taking words, pictures, software code, just about anything you can think of that somebody's original work And incorporating it into your campaign or into your end product as a marketer without getting the proper permissions. And usually that's Mm. something that's just done mistakenly or unintentionally. uh, Because at this point, agencies are really populated by employees who are basically digital natives. And they weren't really raised or trained to understand the difference um, between something that's out there on the internet and looks free to take and something that they actually have the right to use for commercial purposes. So I would highlight maybe those as too simple, but high-level um, recurring themes and issues we see day-to-day in the firm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, can I ask you, because you brought up several things here, I, I, yeah. what is your um, observation of of NDAs? My experience with that is um, – You know, do do I require, I don't currently require those from our clients. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're discussing a lot of, you know, it's, you know, most of it's, I don't think anything it's boy, I'm, I'm rambling here. (laughs) I'm trying to put my, how do I describe this? Right. It's like, I think that what we do is absolutely brilliant. Am I worried about other people copying it? Maybe I should be more. I'm not because I I feel like ideas are so commonplace today and it's so easy to, you know, am I going to go through the legal processes then, you know, am I really likely to be damaged in a way that I should take legal recourse. I don't know. Um, and then also, I've also heard this say, well, an NDA or any contract is only as good as the two parties that are signing it. Okay, there was a mouth, a jumbled mouthful of words. <laughs> I don't know if you can make sense of my question and say, no, I think I can. what you're asking is X.
1: <laughs> no, I do. I, 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 I take the point. I really do. And I would say this about it because you're not asking me anything that probably any, Marketing agency owner hasn't thought at some point in time because, um, by and large, marketers are in the idea business. And so there is a big school thought that there are no new ideas under the sun. And therefore, Mm. why waste a lot of time trying to protect them? And I would say this to that um, if there were no value in an NDA, then your prospective clients would never be asking you to sign them either. And most agencies have been asked many times by, potential clients who they're in the process of having a conversation about doing business with to sign an NDA to protect the client's information. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my philosophy about it is that they're they're putting their important and proprietary information into your hands, and they need assurances of the trust, right? The trust bond. You're about to give them access to some of your secret sauce, the way you mm-hmm. do and think and strategize as an agency, why shouldn't there be an equal playing field there? Um, and, and furthermore, whether or not you're the type of agency who ever thinks you would do something about the fact that a potential client who doesn't hire you ends up taking some of your ideas or um, suggestions or strategies and ends up hiring another agency to execute mm-hmm. them, uh, even if that doesn't feel like you most days, uh, it may feel, it may be something you need um, in your corner at some point. And it also, I think, sets the bargaining table a little bit differently and levels the playing field between client and agency. And it, it gives you, um, it, it affects the way you show up in terms of valuing the contributions you're making to the conversation. And remember, this is all stuff you're you're iterating and sharing before you've been paid a cent, so yeah. I think that that's inadequate an consideration, um, and I don't think it's unfair. I think it is, although in the way you communicate your reasoning and your rationale, um, I would never advise a client of ours to ask a prospect to sign a one-way confidentiality agreement. Mm-hmm. To be mutual, both sides should be protected, and both sides should agree that what they're sharing with each other doesn't go any farther without the permission of both parties.
0: Yeah. You know, that's really interesting because I don't, um, I wonder if if that would actually be helpful from an onboarding perspective or from even from a sales perspective to say, listen, I want you to know, even though we represent, you know, we've got about 180 clients. And so I wonder, no one has asked for it. But I wonder if that wouldn't be a positive if I said, you know, just so you know, I'm happy to sign an NDA and we have a standard two-way NDA if that's appropriate, Um, you know, just so you know that, you know, your expertise and and the questions we're going to ask so we can do what we do, I want you to know that we're not going to share that with our other clients or anyone else.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you can come to the conversation about this topic in the spirit of mutuality and that makes you look like a winner in the conversation because of the, the way you're elevating the information the prospects giving to you, Mm. you know, the conversation ideally should go something like exactly what you just said, Josh, um, we're about to enter into, um, you know, private conversations with you, um, prospect company. And we, of course Um, maintain full confidentiality of any information you share with us. Um, We ask that you do the same because we're going to be sharing with you um, some of our best strategies, Mm -hmm. uh, counsel and advice, even during the business development conversation we're having here and whether or not we move forward together. So um, we think it's in the best interest of all parties to agree to keep all the information we're sharing confidential. That's it. I mean, it doesn't Mm. need to be any more dramatic than that. I don't think it needs to make you. And most of the time you're going to get not even an eye blink because most of the clients you're having conversations with doing business, um, they make this part of their routine anyway. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's a great tool. I think it is the gold standard in terms of Um, setting your expectations about the way you value which you're going to be contributing to the conversation. But every agency has got to make the decision for themselves based on their own risk analysis um, and based on how it feels for them. You know, and there there are some other things you can do in the business development process to sort of protect some of what you express and share with them Mm. that are probably, um, you know, beyond the scope of our conversation today. But really, the NDA, the mutual NDA is the gold standard on this point.
0: I, that's kind of cool. Um, can I ask you a question in terms of like being able to execute um and have it legally enforceable, right? So mm-hmm. can you do that? Um did, so I I'm just thinking from and you know, from a um user experience perspective now. Uh right. it's, you know, can I just do an online type thing? Are there requirements as to because I've 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 digitally agreed to so many things in so many different ways. I've checked a box and then click submit. I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've, you know, drawn my signature with my mouse, which never lo- looks awful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a J in some s- scribbles. Uh, yeah. You know, I've done that. It does, are, are, which of, are, are some of those methods not legally worth a dime?
1: No, I mean, electronically signed documents and electronic signatures on contracts are absolutely valid. Um, as long as you have a clear indication that both parties agreed to whatever legal terms are in that document you both signed, mm-hmm. however you've signed it. I mean, most agencies these days are using electronic yeah. tools for acceptance of proposals and yeah. the proposals yeah. will contain the contracts in them. So there's absolutely a way you can automate the process to make it um. You know, to take some friction out of it from a technology perspective.
0: That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of different ways that I could maybe make it a little bit easier. Because what I don't want to do from, um, sorry, I'm getting kind of down in the weeds on like onboarding and stuff like that. But yeah. you're, what's really nice here is, is Sharon's, you're solving my problems, which I, I like. <laughs> Happy so, to
1: help. Well, yeah. look, I mean, this is, this is why we spend as much time as we do. I mean, I do a lot of speaking, I do a lot of training. And the reason I spend so much time on this point is because for many knowledge-based businesses, and I'll use, again, agencies as an example because that's our client base, um, your intellectual property is your most significant asset. So it's up to you how you want to leverage it for profit and gain. And this is just one of the many ways you can do that. And I, I want agencies to think about their IP instead of their inventory of time and materials as their assets um, and as their inventory to make available um, to potential clients. And so in that case, why wouldn't you do everything you possibly could to um, mm-hmm. demonstrate that you value it and to that you expect a prospective client to value it as well?
0: Yeah. Um- this is fantastic, Sharon. Um, your website, legalandcreative.com, when somebody goes there, um, what should they what should they click on? What should they do?
1: Yeah, the um really it evolved uh as a blog. Um and we, you know, we sort of use it in lieu of a more corporate type law firm website. But I would say um the most helpful part of the site, in my personal opinion, is the blog, um, because mm. we create long-form content there on topics that are relevant to agency marketers every month. And so there's a lot of long-form content there. Our podcast feed is at the website. Um, I have a podcast called The Innovative Agency, which actually is not about legal topics, but is about innovation in the marketing agency world. We're rounding close to 200 episodes. Um, And so you can get access to that content as well. So I think those are two of the best places to start. There's, a, there's some free downloads, like checklists and things like yeah. that. But um, I think the, there's a lot of helpful content there for agencies um, or really any content-based or creative businesses to understand some of the legal issues that um, they are going to meet day to day as they do business.
0: And you are also, uh, it looks like the host of the Innovative Agency podcast.
1: Yes, that's the one that's fed through onto the, onto the website. And we really talk about taking a look around the corner and what's next for agency mm. marketers. And so we interview experts in scientific disciplines, technologies, agency owners, Um, on on their businesses. We talk about business development, really taking a look at where the industry is headed. And occasionally a lot of those things have legal implications and we'll we'll weave some conversation in about that, but it's not an agency legal podcast per se. It is an agency focused podcast though.
0: I love it. All right, Sharon Torek, again, uh, you are the uh, principal and owner at Legal and Creative and of course, Torek Law. Sharon, thank you so much. Again, your website is legalandcreative.com. Sharon, thank you for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me today.